we are back. I am incredibly excited to be joined by our next guest. His name is Steve Gadd. Uh, he is one of the most celebrated uh, uh, rock. I can't even say rock. It's it's all all genres: rock, jazz, disco, etc. Uh, drummers of all time uh, has played with all of the greats. Uh, has played with his own bands. Uh, wanted to have him on today because this past Sunday was the 40th anniversary of the concert in Central Park, Simon and Garfunkel's concert in Central Park. And Steve, let me open it up there. With this being the 40th anniversary, I know you're back on tour. Talk about that concert, but also talk about the energy of live performance. Are you excited to be back on the road again? Oh, it's, yeah, it's great to be back playing music again. And, um, uh, you know, just to feel the energy of the, of the crowd and, uh, and that uh, music's healing, you know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and I, I, you can, the fact that I've been away from it for a while because of the pandemic, it's, I appreciate it more now, you know? Yeah, with, without a doubt. But so, so talk about this. I mean, talk about the, the this concert in Central Park. You had, you had played on Simon uh, on Paul Simon's on several of Paul Simon's albums. We're going to get into. I want to ask you about One Trick Pony in, in a couple of minutes. But but that was that was an historic event. It was this massive crowd. What was it like being on that stage in Central Park in September in New York? Talk to us about that. Uh, it was it was uh, incredible, um, and that Simon and Gar we had done a tour, uh, and and um, uh, it was all of stadiums and big venues. So uh, we we had been you know playing big big venues, but the thing in the park was uh, above and beyond you know, and um, it was uh, they had to build this. The stage was about three stories high. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was very exciting. You know, it was very exciting. And, and it, it was, it, it's one of those things because I was, I'm not even going to tell you how young I was, but I, I, I wanted my parents to take me there because we were in suburban New York. We didn't go. Uh, I know people who were there and they, they said it was, a, it was a heady experience. Even if you were a young kid, I mean, it's something that was, that was very seminal. I mean, the stage you were, they had set up the stage like a rooftop, right? It was like a, a rooftop of, of a New York apartment building. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so let's, but so let's talk about touring. You're, you're, you're touring again. I know you said you, you, you're, you're happy about the energy, but, but talk about the tour. Where are you going? Where have you been? Oh God. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't have the itinerary for this tour. We started yeah. in Texas. You know, we did, uh, you know, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, uh, and then we, uh, then we flew to, um, God, where do we fly to? I can't even remember. We did, well, you know, we, we've done a lot of the places um, uh, where the, the numbers for the, for the virus are pretty high. Sure. But we've been, we've been staying, we've been being careful. I mean, I can get the itinerary out and tell you exactly. No, 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 no. you don't have to do that. But I wanted to ask you about New Orleans and oh, and, Orleans and Nashville. You, you know, you you're you're you grew up you grew up in in Rochester, New York, um, and you know Nashville and 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 uh, I mean Nashville is obviously you know Music City USA, and and New Orleans is 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 a, is a jazz town. 
what was it like you know the first couple of times you played in cities like nashville and and i know you were you you were with the u.s army band at fort meade so you know right in our backyard in 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 maryland um but but talk to talk to me about about playing in in places like nashville and new orleans for the first time um well i mean i i had i had played those cities you know years ago but yeah uh, yeah, I mean, they were uh, their their music uh, capitals in their own in their own yeah. way. So um, it's, uh, it's 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 exciting. It's uh, you want to make a good impression when you play these places. <laughs> um, uh, in New Orleans, I like uh, you know, like the thing about New Orleans is you can walk down the street in the French Quarter during Jazz Fest at night and there's a lot of live music going oh, on. Oh, yeah. And I can just sit and, and watch a lot of the drummers playing in these clubs and they all got some kind of special thing happening because they grew up in where they grew up, you know? Well, you know something, and it's interesting, I think folks would benefit from hearing, I mean, you started playing drums at a very young age. Um, you, you had a natural talent for it. But talk to us about your, what was it, your uncle who, who played and taught you how to play? Tell us about that. Well, he, I mean, I, yeah, he, he sort of noticed that I had a thing for, for drums because I was hitting everything in sight when I was a kid. <laughs> and so he sort of channeled that energy and, and he had been a drummer in, in high school. Okay. So he showed me how to hold the sticks, got me a pair of sticks and he, We'd play along together, along with uh, listening to John Philip Sousa marches. Okay. And we'd play, you know, on little pads, and and we'd play together, and it was great. And it was nice. The time that spending with my uncle was great, and um, and you know the the family. Uh, be, this was before TV, so my whole this was the family entertainment too. Okay. You know, after dinner, we'd put the music on, we'd sit in the parlor, and my uncle and I would play, and they would listen, and sometimes my dad would play a little bit. You know what I mean? It was like a, it was like a great hang. Sure. Well, you know, and it's funny, because, you know, those are those are the moments you cherish. I mean, it's, so I don't, I, I love music, I, and my listeners know I love music, I, 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 I like all kinds of music. I mean, it's a, a very diverse and eclectic uh, taste of music. Um, but I, I can't play anything worth a damn, but what I have been able to, to pass along to my kids, uh, is a real appreciation for music and they're, you know, the, both of their, their musical tastes are, are rather eclectic in that way. So I can sit there and have these lengthy conversations with, with my younger one, for instance, about, you know, the Beatles or Joni Mitchell or, or, or whomever. Um, and it's a, it's a way last night, as I was telling you before we came on the air, I was, uh, we were playing Scrabble and we were, we were listening. We just decided to put on Rubber Soul and listen to that for the first time. Hadn't listened to that together in, in, in a while. Uh, and then went on and listened to Abbey Road. It was, it was so much fun. Let me, let me ask you about this. I mean, did you get this, the, the, the less is more approach to playing, you know, to playing the drums. Did you get that from your uncle? Is that just something you developed over time? How did you come to that? I think that you develop that over time. You know what I mean? It's like, um, because, uh, you know, when I was younger, it wasn't necessarily the less is more approach. You know what I mean? I was sure. young and hungry and energetic and, uh, 
And for a while, you know, like every time I played, it was like the last time I was ever going to play. So <laughs> I got all my licks in, you know what I mean? But, you know, over the years, you know, having the opportunity to to record and hear things back, you learn how to um, inventory your own playing. And, and sometimes things that you think are going to be exciting and good musically for a recording uh you end up being a little bit too much but at the same time maybe in a live situation where there's visual and stuff it sure it, it could you know it could be it could be okay because you're you know trying to you know share that energy with people on the bandstand but you know when when, when it's when you're just listening back to a recording a lot of times you know, the the simpler you you are, the more um, cohesive and the more uh, comprehensive it is to hear. You know, it, is this is this why? And not that we're going to cast aspersions on the late Keith Keith Moon, but do you think this is this is sort of what Pete Townsend was getting at a couple of years back? He did an interview where he was talking about sometimes his fr his frustration with Keith Moon's drum playing, and that it was kind of it can be a little, it was a little hard to follow and keep time. Do you, do you think that's what kind of what he was referring to? Um. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he probably, you know, okay. it's like he was like energetic and he was, they were young and, uh, you know, it's hard to control that kind of energy. Sure. You no, know? and sure. that kind of, uh, you know, if you got, you know, if, if you have something that you want to say on the instrument and you're young and, and hungry and there's people watching, I mean, it's like sometimes your own, um, your own excitement and ego can uh, get in the way of of the music as a group. You know, you understand what it's, I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm thinking it's like it's like you put you put say say Keith Moon and Ginger Baker in one category, but then you put you and Hal Blaine in another category, right? There, there's not the all four of you are are great top tier. You know, the the greatest drummers in music. Um, but there's a decided difference in your approach to the music and what you contribute and how. I mean, am I, am I, is that, would that be a, a way of putting it? I, I think that it, I learned, I, I think you could compare me to, to Keith Moon when I was younger and the way I approached and the energy I put into it, you know, and we were, you know, similar ages and, and, yeah. but, uh, you know, like my, uh, I was able to do a variety of different kinds of music and record it and hear it back. So I was able to learn um, through trial and error, uh, you know, what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, and that's actually a perfect segue into what I wanted to ask you next, because you played on three seminal tracks from the 1970s. I mean, I think three tracks that can accurately sum up what the seventies was about musically. I mean, we're talking, uh, you know, Paul Simon's 50 ways to leave your lover, uh, Steely Dan's Asia, and then, uh, the hustle by Van McCoy. Um, you talk about, talk about the seventies as that time of musical change, but also what you're just talking about, about how that shaped your experience and your approach to music playing on three very different tracks. Well, yeah, but I always liked, uh, I always liked the variety. Yeah. I liked a lot of a lot of different kinds of music. I grew up listening to it and playing different things, and um, 
uh, and so and like I said, I was able to hone in on on what I was doing because I was able to you know go in the studio and do things and then hear it back, and I could sort of you know weed out my own playing. You know what I mean? Sure. And I had I had the um, expertise of some great producers and artists that had ideas on how to do it. But had I just joined a band and done one thing, then, you know, it could have been a different, you know, it could have been a different scenario. Sure. Absolutely. Right. I mean, if you, if you, you could have, you know, Stuart Copeland was with the police and then he of course went on to other things. Ginger Baker is this same, same thing, a couple of different bands, but, but actually, and by the way, everybody, my guest is, uh, is Steve Gadd, uh, drummer extraordinaire. Uh, he's got a new book out. We're going to talk about it. it got a new album out that we're going to talk about as well. Um, but, but before we move sort of away from this, um, you know, I, I had a, an opportunity to talk to a couple of folks about the passing of Charlie Watts. Uh, obviously, another another you know top tier seminal drummer. You, you, do you have any thoughts about about Charlie Watts's career or anything you want to say, sort of in memoriam to to him about him? I I I love Charlie. I met him. He was a, he was a, a, a gentleman. I liked the way he carried himself. You know, he was uh, meticulous. You know, and um, he was a family guy. Uh, I know he'd been with his wife for you know from the you know since they were kids and he had grandkids, he had kids and grandkids and um, and uh, and Charlie was I, I I didn't know Charlie that well but I had met him mm-hmm. and um, and heard stories about him but you know like he was uh, you know. He was an essential part of that band when those guys were growing up because oh, yeah. he had like a you know like a like a jazz kind of attitude and he seemed to have you know uh, his ego was more intact than than the guys that were in front of that band you know what I mean so he had like a he had like a, st- a stability or a groundedness I think that that helped uh, those guys like go through all of their things and, and still end up and, and you know, landing on their feet. You know what I mean? Sure. They were all, uh, they all had something special to add to that band. You know what I mean? Without, a, without a doubt. So listen, turning, turning to, to some of your other work with, with Paul Simon, cause um, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of, of that work. You did a, an album that, that is, I think underrated and, and not talked about enough. You played on all the tracks of Paul Simon's One Trick Pony, two of my favorite tracks, obviously, Late in the Evening, which is on near constant rotation uh, on whatever music player I happen to have. And then and then Stranded in a Limousine is one that I love listening to. Um, uh, t- what do you remember from the recording of that album, uh, if, if anything? Um, well, I, I, it, we did a lot of recording back in those days with Paul. You know, he was. We did a lot of different projects together. But uh, yeah, I remember late in the evening, and I, I also remember um, stranded in a limousine where I was playing on my, doing things on on my, uh, you know, using my hands on my legs. Okay. Get, and and uh, just a, my foot on the floor. It was okay. Like, so you know that was uh, I remember that. 
I had a lot of fun, you know, um, recording with Paul. It was challenging. He was constantly looking for something new, new sounds, new. You know, he didn't didn't he? You know, once he had done something, he didn't like to go back and he liked sure. to do something different. You know what I mean? He was yeah, absolutely. Why why do the same thing over and over again? What's the fun in that? I I I I, I totally understand that. Um, and that you know, late in the evening is such such a, an uptune. I've had a lot of fun watching you teach the drum parts of that. That's I guess a variation on a on a rhythm called the Mozambique. Yeah, right, right there. Right. Yeah, I mean. Again, as someone who who doesn't play, it's fascinating to and and I'm sorry, and you play it you you play it with four sticks. I did that because I wanted it to sound like it, a, a section. Sure, of, more than one guy playing. That's so. fantastic. So you've got a new album out, uh, and by the way, as I said, we're talking with uh, with Steve Gad, uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, drummers of all time. Um, it's called the Live at the Blue Note Tokyo. My favorite track is this track, uh, uh, Timpanogos, I think is how you pronounce it, which is, uh-huh. again, in that, in that vein, that Latin vein of, of late in the evening. Um, tell, us, tell us about the album. It came out. It's, it, you can find it, guys, you can find it anywhere, anywhere that you're getting your music online. It's terrific. But, but talk to us about it. Well, during the pandemic, you know, I, 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 what I was working on was uh, the book that we're, we'll talk about and also... There was a, a live recording of uh, uh, of a show we did in Tokyo at the Blue Note um, before the pandemic started, and um, and uh, during the pandemic that we got a hold of these tapes, and and thought that they they there was they, they were good enough to put some time into remixing them, and uh, that's what we did. My my son and I mixed it in. Oh wow, Rich, Rich Bream. Uh, mastered it and um, it was um, the band was uh, Walt Fowler on trumpet Kevin Hayes on keyboards um, Jimmy Johnson on bass um, and um, normally it's Mike Landau but Mike had some uh, some other things that he was committed to so David Spinoza played on this album and um so we did a couple of david songs and uh and it came out good i i i i really i really like uh the way the blue note uh, recorded it and uh, you know we had some good takes so and we tweaked it sound wise and i think it sounds like a good live record it is it is fantastic i've been listening to it um uh incessantly and and, and enjoying it enormously it is just it is just fantastic it's interesting because I, I went back and when you were with um oh good lord the manhattan jazz i want to say quintet right. um you did an album uh, uh called the sidewinder with them and the sidewinder is one of my favorite jazz tunes of all time um, just so, so fantastic. I've, I've seen, but I've listened to both the album version and seen some, some live performances of that, that are on YouTube. Uh, there was a great, did you, did you ever play, have you ever played at a, ever play at a jazz bar down in Florida in a place called Grayton beach a place called the red bar? No, I, ah, I, it's too bad. I, I, uh, sorry, go ahead. Is it still there? No, unfortunately it burned down a couple of years ago. It was this club in the middle of nowhere this restaurant owned by two belgian brothers in a town called grayton beach which is situated in the wilderness halfway between destin and panama city and you get out to this this funky beach 
restaurant and they, they had this fantastic jazz band there. You would get, you know, musicians from all over the country coming in. And I heard the Sidewinder the first time there. This is, you know, 25 years ago. And it was just fantastic. Let me, uh, let me, because you referenced it, you've got the new book out, uh, Gadiments, mm -hmm. uh, along with an accompanying video series. It's available from Hudson Music. We'll put the link up on the Andrew Langer Show page on Facebook. Talk about the book and, and working on that in the video series. I mean, and actually talk about it, but also talk about you've always had a commitment to to drum instruction and teaching people how to play the drums. This goes hand in hand with that and always through the context of, of Hudson Music. So, so talk to us about that. Well, it was during the pandemic and, um, you know, I ended up with more time off that I, than I had. <laughs> sure. And, uh, and what... what what happened was I, I wanted to, I, I, I liked the time off, but I didn't want to just be sitting and not using my hands. So when work came back, I wanted to, I wanted to stay in shape. So I started uh, practicing and the way I practiced, uh, I got these, uh, these sticks. With nice. Oh, yes. So I, and so I had them. I, like I said, I had them laying around the house, and and I I could you know like even this morning when when I woke up before I had coffee or anything I I just did a little you know did a little bit of playing you know just that's what I did when I was a kid. Okay. And and uh, and I was in drum corps too when I was a kid, and I wrote parts, and I always had a love of the rudiments and. Um, and in, in drum corps, when you write parts, you're trying to use all the rudiments and you're trying, yeah. you're trying to be creative with them. So you're looking for new applications. That's when I was in drum corps when I was a kid. And then, I, you know, I left that to go on to, you know, to learn, you know, to go to high school and college for music, different kinds of music. And during the pandemic, I went back to the rudiments uh, it was just, you know, on a table. And the more I got into it, the more I started discovering new things that, I, you know, after all these years, there's wow. new. And and um, and I, I was excited because when you when you when you experience these things, you want to share them with people. You know what yes. I mean? Yeah. The drummers are like that, man. They went and. Uh, and so I, I wrote them down and um, and we got a book and I'm still coming, you know, I'm still coming up with the, these things. I'm still I, I want to do another book because it's um, I, I know I've been playing all my life, but these are stickings that I never sure. I never did before. And they're challenging, but they they make sense musically, too. So um, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying That's it. That's fantastic. As I said, the book is Gadiments. Uh, you can you can get it from Hudson Music. We'll put the link up on the Andrew Langer Show page. Steve, before I let you go, I mean, let's talk about this. You're on the road. You're off the road. Who are you listening to? I mean, who's in when you know when you're listening to music? What's in heavy rotation? I don't know if you have an MP3 player or your phone or whatever. What are you? What all are you listening to? You know, a lot of the time I'm listening to things that I have to learn for the road you know things that are projects that are coming up um or or things that i've been working on um and um but uh 
you know, I, when I listen, I, I listen to old things a lot. I like uh, I, one of my, uh, there's a Stan Getz album with Oscar Peterson. Okay. There's no drums on it, but those wow. guys, the groove is so strong. Um, I love that. I love Ray Charles. Uh, you know, I listen to Bob Dylan. I listen to a lot of the stuff my wife puts on because okay. she, you know, a lot of times I'm listening to things that are involved with work and she's listening to things that she just likes to listen to. Sure. Like Otis, Aretha, you know, like, uh, you know, all, all the uh, um, Stevie Wonder. Absolutely. You know, I, so I, I go to those kind of things and, and, uh, and then I refer to her to listen to new things that I haven't heard because she's always, you know, you know, on top of that stuff. Or I, guys in the business will um, recommend something for me to check out. So those are the things I kind of listen to. Is there is there anybody you you didn't get a chance to work with or you haven't had a chance to work with that you want to work with? You know, uh, anybody, because I mean, you've worked James Taylor, you've worked with Eric Clapton, but the list is near endless. Anybody that you would have wanted to have worked with or, or that you still want to work with? You know, I, I love, you know, I, I love music. So, um, yeah. and and every time I get an opportunity to to work with someone that I, that, that I haven't before, um, it's, it's exciting. It's a learning situation. I don't really think about uh, guys that I, I hadn't played with. That sure. I, but you know what? One guy that I always loved that I never had the opportunity to play with was Prince. You know, yes. He's a really uh, great artist. And, and, I, and I think, and I suspect Prince would have, would have dug your drumming in a big way. Not that I knew Prince personally, obviously not, but, but uh, I, I get that sense. I need such a, such a unique talent. Again, in terms of the diversity of the music that he was into. Yeah. Steve, listen. I know your time is valuable. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Um, it's been a it's been a privilege. Good luck to you on the road. Uh, uh, stay safe, sir. All right, you too, Andrew. Thank you. Take care.